All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. afternoon everybody happy friday thanks for joining us here on another episode of dropping the gloves we appreciate all the support let's just jump into it tim um last show i talked about my yard work and people didn't like it so we got to be we got to jump right into it we got a lot of uh what's the thing It, it was very um negatives and positives with our little opening I, I just went on a rant about my yard work and stuff and some people liked it some people didn't right what do you get you can't please everybody you can't please everyone there was a split but some people really didn't like it they're like Can really you just, passionate <laughs> is there a way to like do a show without talking about your yard for 20 minutes it's like okay fine jokes Whatever, on you man. no there isn't speaking of that same yard so i'm trying to grow the grass (laughs) and my wife they went on a trip yesterday downstate to visit her grandpa my kid's great grandpa and she turned the sprinkler on before they left and left early and i didn't get home until like 4 p.m the sprinkler was in the same spot (laughs) going for like seven hours so my grass that i'm trying to grow is probably just drowned the whole the whole area was just like a swamp and i'm like well there you go like there goes that grass i'm gonna have to buy sod and lay it which is a whole nother ball of wax but it's just funny i'm like anyways no more yard stuff right tim unless here's the thing no more yard stuff unless you want to unless you feel like it then you should no we have to pander to our audience Got Joe Rogan doesn't pander. So another funny thing. So I talked about building my deck. I love the engagement. You know, don't get me wrong. I love when people reach out. People were really uh, passionate about me not knowing how to build a deck. It's like, I know how to build a deck. You know, it's not hard to build just a deck. The deck is 10 feet up on a storage container and I have to get stairs up to it. So that's the tricky part. Like, do I drill into the storage container? We had one good idea. Some kid, I think his name was Kyle, said put a slide on it. That's good. But then there's another guy, Billy. Love <laughs> the support. I'm not going to say his full name because it's hilarious. He's like, everybody knows how to make a deck. I'm like, I know, Billy. Like, I know. I'm sorry. I should have been more specific. The deck is on top of a storage container. I don't know how to tie it in without drilling into the storage shipping container. I'm going to brace around. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> this was very passionate fans. I love it. 
Good stuff. So we left it off on Wednesday, Tim. Two teams were approaching just the death of their seasons. There was two sweeps on the board. Florida was going to knock out Carolina. The Stars were going to knock out the oh, excuse me, the Knights were going to knock out the Stars. One of those things happened. One of those things didn't happen. Both games we predicted, and I think we were both right. Oh no, you said Vegas was going to knock off the Stars. You 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 thought both sweeps were going to happen. I right? did, yeah, I did. Well, you were right on fifty percent of those because the Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes played that Wednesday night. Lo and behold. It was another sweep, and it was an almost overtime goal that did it. And who who else but the man-child himself, Matthew Kachuk, the finisher, as I like to call him, Scorpio, for our Mortal Kombat fans. Is it Scorpion or Scorpio? Scorpion, I think. Yeah. Scorpion. Who were you? Who was your Mortal Kombat guy? I like Sub Zero. Yeah, it was a little before my time. Like I was like five oh, seven, yeah. whatever, five or seven when that was popular, but. I would say Sub Zero. He looked. He I would looked. just keep freezing. People hated playing me because I would just freeze them over and over and over again. Is that the one where when you die and you're eliminated, you fall down a pit and land on spikes? Um, no. You can do a finishing move, and like you can rip someone's vertebrae out. You maybe if you don't do your finishing move, I don't. Yeah, like I don't remember you, the spikes though. When you get cut out of the tournament or whatever, you they drop you down a pit and you just fall and then you land on spikes and you die unless i'm thinking of a different game but i'm pretty sure it might be mortal kombat good movies too underrated a couple of seriously moving on matthew kachuk finishing move on the carolina hurricane scores with how many seconds left was it like three seconds left gets the game winner knocks out the carolina hurricanes can there not be any bigger chasm and bigger reason why you need a superstar on your team than this series? When you look at these two teams, they're evenly matched. Difference maker is the superstar. Because Freddie Anderson played great. Sergei Bobrovsky played better. The series wasn't won or lost by the goaltenders. Both goaltenders played tremendous. The series was won or lost, and there were four very close games. The series was won because... One team has a legit superstar who embraces the situation and produces when you need it most. The other team had a collection of very good players. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody loves really good players. It didn't have a superstar. And what we found was it's nice to have a team with a lot of good players, a lot of A minus B plus type players. What we found is to win it all, to win the big games, at the big times, you need that A++ guy. You need that guy who is going to score in the clutch situation. Carolina had tons of great A chances. They could have won any game at any any time. Every overtime game, they could have won. Why didn't they win? They don't have that guy. They don't have that guy to finish in that situation. The stall. Multiple great A chances. I don't know who it was. One of the stalls on Carolina. <laughs> Knight, Knight just had a breakaway. So many guys had so many great A chances for Carolina that could not finish. Florida had one guy, and he only needed one chance, and he buried three stinking times in this series. Three game-winning goals from Matthew Kachuk in this series, two of them in overtime, one of them right before overtime. He's that guy, Tim. Let's get into that first. I want to get into why Carolina hasn't changed their ways first. And then we'll go back into Florida and just talk about their, their road to the Stanley cup. Cause it's pretty impressive what they've done, but let's start off with Carolina. 
going into this offseason, somewhat of a glimmer of hope, but it, w- it was fleeting. They lose their goal scorer, Svechnikov, to start the playoffs. He He's done. No, before the playoffs, excuse me. To start the season, they lose their best goal scorer in Pacioretty. So they went into this playoffs knowing that they needed to win a team game. They needed to everybody contributing, everybody pulling on the rope. Everybody had to be there. And I think that happened. I don't know of anybody on this team who wasn't playing good hockey. It still wasn't good enough. Does this sound familiar to you of a Carolina Hurricanes team? Really good in the regular season. They're a tough out every single game. Go into the playoffs, compete, win a round, maybe win two rounds, and then flame out because you don't have any superstars on your team. This is not new territory for these Carolina Hurricanes, Tim. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at the deadline. They they stood pat. We've talked about this many times, and I was very critical of them. That's one of the reasons I had them not doing well in the playoffs. I actually had them losing to the Islanders, and I was obviously wrong about that. But I wasn't wrong about the reason. The reason that they don't they don't go further than this, and they've been swept. And every time they reach the Eastern Conference Finals, is because they don't have that guy, and they don't seem to be like. It's hard to say. I, I don't blame like the GMs or coaches because you, you're hoping that Sveshnikov is going to become that guy. Right, you're hoping that Aho will become that guy, and you you put your cart in their horses, and you 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 hope they develop into the, being those superstar players, those finishers, those big moment guys. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't want to say it's not working. This is a very good team, but you need that superstar, and it's becoming more and more clear that as good as these players are, they're not that guy. And is it because they don't want to spend the money? That's the question. This team has been very good for almost a decade now. They won a Stanley Cup. I can't remember how long ago it was. I thought that was going to springboard them into the elite status of teams in the NHL. This could be a case of the ownership just not wanting to spend to the cap. They're consistently close, but whenever they have a high-end guy, and it's usually a defenseman who is approaching the cash-in part of their contract, they trade him. Dougie Hamilton, Justin Falk, a couple other defensemen. I'm not thinking on the top of my head, but it's always a defenseman because they just breed defensemen in Carolina. They trade them. And it usually ends up being good trades. I'm sure they would love to have Dougie Hamilton on their team right now, but defense has never been an issue with this team. So no one really blinks an eye at it. But maybe this is the issue because they've had the opportunity. They could have gone out any given year and shot the moon and got a superstar. Even this off this trade deadline, you could have got Tarasenko, you could have Patrick Kane, you could have got Timo Meyer. The money was there. And so uh, that could be a factor or it could be a bigger thing where the GM thinks he's smarter than everybody. And that's a case where if Don Waddell does think that, because that's, I'm kind of getting that inkling where he's like, oh, we have a superstar. We're going to trade him before, you know, we have to pay him a boatload. Oh, it's a trade deadline. You know what? We're going to outsmart everybody and bring in some, let's get a Jesse Polviari. You know what I mean? Let's go get a a lower end guy who it's like a little project. That's great. It's all well and good. Yeah. Max Domi last year. That's great. It's not going to win you the Stanley Cup. You you need those guys in this day and age. You look at the Stanley Cup champions the past few years or forever. The common theme is they had superstars and they had guys who stepped up in big situations to score the goals. Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov. Those guys were juggernauts down the stretch. Yes, I know Goudreau was great. Coleman was great. Let's not get it twisted. If they don't have those high-end guys, the Victor Hedmans of the world, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. So to think that you can go in as a Carolina Hurricanes team and win, like, and I don't want to slight anybody, 
I love Tuevo Teravainen. I, I think Sebastian Ajo is a great player. I, I, you know, Jordan Martinook was playing well beyond his talent level this postseason. You, you can't win with these guys. Even if they had Svechnikov fully healthy, they don't win. They don't. So there needs to be a seismic shift in mentality in Carolina if they're ever going to compete for a Stanley Cup. And the good thing is, is that they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times without a superstar. What, what, what would they do if they got one or two for Pete's sake? If, if you gave Sebastian Ajo the luxury of just being a second line guy, a centerman who gets to go against the other team's second best checking line or the other team's scoring line. You can take advantage of those matchups right now. Sebastian Ajo is just on an Island, especially with those guys being out. It's him. And you could tell in this first round, he was being keyed on. He did nothing, Tim, absolutely nothing. So I don't know. Something needs to change there. This is going to be a big off season for them. They're, they're looking at a team that has nobody signed longer than two years other than Jesperi Koki and Emi and Svechnikov. That's it. They have one goalie, Kochikov. He's signed for a couple more years. But other than that, everybody's off the books. Where does this team go? Who's the, who's the guy on this team? Your best player, Sebastian Ajo, is a UFA after this year. You think he's going to want to come back when you have shown time after time that you're not going to invest in that team when you need it the most, when you lose your top goal score and you have a ton of money to spend and you go, you know what? We're good. We're good. You were the top five team in the NHL. What, why, why not go for it? You're not going to spend this guy spend the guys you get much dollar amount. Like the majority of that contract has already been spent. You think the Rangers paid Patrick Kane or Vladimir Teresuk, Tenko, any paper money, really realistic money, maybe a million dollars each by the time they get them. So it wasn't about, I just don't understand it, Tim. I think there's a pride thing here with Don Waddell where he wants to do it his way and he's not going to buckle under the pressure of just doing what everybody else does, which is sad because the last few years, these guys have had a great hockey team. They have a dynamite defense they have good forwards, really good forwards. When you got Nikas, Nitschus, and Martinuk, and Drury, and Jarvis, these are good players. Stefan Nosen played fantastic this offseason, this postseason. Put some guys around him. Get him, get him some superstars that you can put out there on the power play like Florida did to end the game and, and score a goal when everything's on the line and you have literally 45 seconds to score. And you could put out Matthew Kuchuk and you can get that goal. Carolina doesn't have that. They don't have that, Tim. So I blame this on the GM. I blame it on the president. I blame it on the owner for not going out and getting these guys a superstar. Because this is a Stanley Cup caliber team. Don't get me wrong. They're just missing missing one or two pieces. And they could have had it, but they just don't want to pull the trigger for whatever reason. I don't know. What do you think? Well, to put some perspective on this too, and I read a great article on Daily Faceoff this morning, the Canes need that superstar, like you said, and and we know they have great players, but over the past five seasons, they haven't had any 40 goal scorers, they haven't had any 90 point scorers, they haven't had a single player crack the top 15 in league scoring, as good as those guys have been, as good as Fechnikov has been, as good as Ajo has been, they're they're missing something too. And so there's a reason that when they get to the, the the bigger moments, the bigger series, they've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals three times since they won the championship in 2006. They've been swept every time. They got swept by the Penguins. They got swept by the Bruins. They got swept by the Panthers. 
the big players delivering big moments. The bigger question is, who is that guy? Like, who? It's not exactly easy to to go get a superstar. Like, what do you do? Do you do you blow this up and try to get a major trade? Like, what players are even available? There's some guys who are available. Some pretty good hockey players up in north. If if you want to bring him in, there's a Alex DeBrinket who's out there right now. There's a Timo Meyer who's going to be an unrestricted restricted free agent. There are some guys who you could go and get a Pierre Luc Dubois. There's options. You just have to be creative. So they did good by getting a Kakinami. That was bold getting him from Montreal, but I think that was more of a retaliation type thing. But I don't know, Tim. I don't know what you do. It, it has to start from the top and. Based on recent track history with the Carolina Hurricanes, they're not going to do anything. They're going to go into this season. They're going to have a very solid team that does everything right. They're going to focus on defense. They're going to play some good hockey. They're going to take advantage when other teams make mistakes. They're going to get into the playoffs, and the same thing's going to happen. You mentioned all the losses the last few years, Eastern Conference Finals, second rounds. They just run into a team with superstars. You know what I mean? They play the Bruins, Bergeron, Marshawn. Krejci, all the superstars, they run into the Penguins, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. They, they just run into the Panthers, Matthew Kachuk, Ekblad, Bennett, Verhage. Not that those Bennett, Verhage are superstars, it's Matthew Kachuk. They need those guys. They don't have them. So you need to get a guy, and I, I'm not going to belabor the point, but they, they need to make a change. Or they're just going to stay in the same situation where you just you get a bottom 10 draft pick, and you grind it out, you play great in the regular season, you win a round maybe, then you lose in the second round. Is that is that what we're here for? Maybe they make a buck. They make some money because they get some playoff games and the fans always have that eternal hope that they're going to turn the corner, but they never really do. So, I don't know. Anything else on the Hurricanes, Tim? You're, you're their, their hometown fan. You're right there. Well, yeah, just making me think they've alluded some criticism that I think if they were in a different market or maybe just there wasn't so much criticism on Edmonton and Toronto and franchises like that, like they they probably deserve a lot more for not for not doing more with this group. They've had this core for a couple of years now and they haven't done much with it. Like you said, they're a very good team. They've won a lot of hockey games, but um, they're they're missing something for sure. Yeah, the, the the criticism is they're not spending all the money. You know what I mean? When you look at the teams left in the playoffs, every single one of them spent to the cap. Every single one of them made moves. Every single one of them tried to make their teams better. The Hurricanes did nothing, Tim. Not one single thing. Vegas brings in Barbashev. Dallas brings in Domi. Those are two big players that are making big impacts for these teams. Florida, they did the big thing in the offseason, bringing in Matthew Kachuk. Everybody did something. What did Carolina do? What did they do? Goss is beer. That's what they did. That's it. And they brought him in from Arizona because Arizona wanted to get rid of him for some odd reason. So, I don't know. Moving on. Let's talk about the Florida Panthers. We talked about the negative. We're going to talk about the the positive now. This team, single-handedly, in all sports, Tim, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, WNBA, everything, they have beat the best teams to get to the Stanley Cup Finals They've had a harder path than any other team in sports history. First round, they play the best team in NHL history, the Boston Bruins. They come back from three to one. Unheard of to beat the best team in NHL history. That's one. Then they play a Toronto Maple Leafs team that's ranked fourth in the league, I think. Fourth best team in the league, the Toronto Maple Leafs were. Then they play the Carolina Hurricanes, the second best team in the NHL. So to get to the Stanley Cup final, they beat three of the top four teams in the NHL. 
to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the scary thing is, they're getting better. Every series, they get better. The first series, they should have lost. They grinded out versus the Boston Bruins. They Bruins somehow put Patrice Bergeron back in the lineup, just sewered their whole season. They beat them. Nope, not doing this. Did that? Did that not happen? It did happen. Are you are you being like Rod Brindamore? We didn't get swept. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring that up, but because you know what he meant. But it's just it sounds. You should horrible. say it didn't feel like we got swept. There's he's missing a key word because you yeah. did get swept. It didn't feel like a sweep. You're right. But in five years, when I look back, I'm going to go, oh, the Hurricanes got swept. Anyways, they beat the Bruins, and then they get better when they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Bobrovsky steps in the net. He plays lights out. They shut down the dynamic, the, what do they call them, the Fantastic Four. They, they shut them completely down. Third round, they absolutely smother the Carolina Hurricanes. Sergei Bobrovsky gets better. Matthew Kachuk gets better. It's insane. What's going to happen when they reach the Stanley Cup Finals, whoever they play? it's What this team is doing, I think people need to, to start thinking about it a little more. Stop talking about the Leafs losing, about the Bruins losing, about, oh, they, they waxed the Carolina Hurricanes who didn't have everybody at full strength. This is a pretty good hockey team. Sam Bennett's playing lights out. Carter Verhage's playing super good. Anthony Duclair has found his game after coming back from injury. Everybody's focusing on Matthew Kachuk, rightfully so, and Sergei Bobrovsky. This is a dangerous team. Too. This is a dangerous team. Are we, are we focusing on the wrong things, or should we be praising the Florida Panthers more as a whole? No, I mean, Pete Blackburn tweeted out the other night. He's like, at this point, it's less it's less surprising that the Panthers beat the Bruins and more surprising that the Bruins were able to force Game 7 against the Panthers because that's just, like, how good they are. Um, and to, to Brindamore's point, I mean, the margin, it was a sweep, but the margin was razor thin every single game. Like, four overtime or three overtime games, one was scored with seconds left, and it was just came down to Matthew Kachuk. And I was working on the agenda for this episode this morning and I had deja vu. I'm like, what day is it? What, what episode is this? Cause I feel like we've been talking about this every day for the last couple of episodes is Panthers win. Matthew Kachuk scores the overtime goal. It's just copy paste. And it's just, it's crazy what he's done. You know, what's crazy is I, I, I saw an article earlier today or yesterday about the trickle, the butterfly effect. Have you ever seen, heard about that? Oh, a butterfly flaps his wings and it creates a hurricane. Like, a thousand miles away. The game between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Did you see this? Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. The trickle down effect and the effects of that one game, Chicago beats Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't make the playoffs. Florida squeaks in Florida beats Boston ends Bergeron Krejci, Krejci's career. Florida beats Toronto ruins Dubas potentially breaking up the big four Florida beats Carolina ruins a draft pick that someone had along the way. I can't remember the trade, but just completely just changes everything based on one game between two non-playoff teams. Chicago beats Pittsburgh. And the other fact was by Chicago winning, they didn't have the best odds to win the sweepstakes. So they would have been first had they lost. They dropped the third and Columbus would have been third had they lost, and Chicago would have been first. So Columbus would have had the first overall pick if everybody stayed pat and the third best teams with the odds got the draft. So it's just funny how one little thing changes everything. And now Florida's going to win the Stanley Cup potentially because Pittsburgh loses at the last day of the season to a Chicago Blackhawks team that was icing an AHL team. And I don't know. I think that's I, funny. 
on top of that, I saw some Boston fans talking about, well, you know, if Boston had, had beat the Panthers team or beat Pittsburgh, who they would have played if this other thing went the other way, they would have had an easier road and we'd be the one going to the Stanley Cup finals. And I don't really think that's true because Toronto is, is a tough matchup for them. I think they probably beat them. They don't get by Carolina. They never have. Carolina, I mean, I, we swept them several years ago, but Damn, Carolina man. Carolina beats them in the playoffs, John. I don't think I don't think we get by them. So Yeah. Boston's in the Stanley Cup Finals if they don't lose to Florida. For sure. Without a doubt. Or if Pittsburgh beats Chicago. Yeah. Like Boston is in the Stanley Cup. They don't lose to Carolina. Yeah. They don't lose to this Carolina Hurricanes team. All right. Moving on. West Coast. Another team facing elimination. The Dallas Stars. Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski, saves her season. Jason Robertson wakes up, finally finds, not finally finds the back of the net. He's been playing great this series. I think he scored every game almost, but he finds the back of the net. Ottinger played fantastic, stopping 37 to 39. A big game for the Dallas Stars. Big, big game. Actually, you know what? I want to talk about one thing from the Carolina Florida series. Did you see the penalty rate at the very end that gave the Florida Panthers their power play? It was Stahl. Stahl's behind the net. He's forechecking Gustav Forsling. And he goes in for the hit and he clips his skate. Forsling goes down. The hand goes up. Florida goes on the power play. Carolina's down one. There's like 40 seconds left. It was the worst call I have ever seen in the playoffs. It was such a soft call to decide a series. I would be up in arms if I was Rob Brindamore. Is it Rod or Rob? I've been going you, back and forth. You know it's, it's Rod. 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 D. Rod the Bud. D. Rod, the bot. But yeah, it was just a terrible call. I wanted to touch on a little bit because it was just, it was really soft. And I hope they don't do that in the Stanley Cup finals. Just let them play. I know people get up in arms, so they call the games different in the regular season versus the playoffs. As a player who was played in the playoffs, keep the keep the whistle in your pocket, especially in the third period. No one wants to see a game decided by the by special teams. Nobody. Well, the, the players don't. I don't know what the fans want. I don't I didn't like the way that game finished. Yes, Matthew Kachuk scores the game winner. It's fantastic. It's good for the papers. It's good for everything. It's not good for hockey. Let them play five on five and play it out because it was such a bad call. Terrible call. All right. Can we move on yet? Yeah. What are you going to talk about with the Dallas game? Well, is there a chance? Your Boston Celtics have come back from three rip on the Miami Heat. It's now three, two. There's a glimmer of hope. With that team. Dallas is heading back to Vegas. They got a little bit of hope. Do you think there's any chance that this game's goes this game goes to seven? Or is this this all a formality? And Vegas is gonna win. Is there any signs in this series that you think Dallas could have a chance to come back? No, no. I, I could see wow. them winning game five, but no. I mean the the thing that they have to hope for is that Ottinger plays every game the way that he played game four. Stopping 37 of 39, he was lights out. Aiden Hill played pretty well, too. Um, he also had like 37 saves or 36, something like that. So if Ottinger's that guy, maybe, but but no. If I'm, I'm not putting any money on that. I think, <laughs> and, and this is a bold thing, if Dallas wins this game... This will go seven, and then it's a toss-up. I don't know who to take for game seven. Vegas needs to close it out at home. Don't go to Dallas because you're not going to win that game. I, I feel like Dallas has been a very good team in this series, aside from game three, when they were just a train wreck. 
but the stars have played well. They've outshot Vegas in every single game. The loss of Jamie Ben almost helped this team. Frederick Olofsson played fantastic. He played 10 plus minutes. He was a hound on the four check. He was very, very good. The defense is always solid. We know that Heiskanen's back to, to his good self after getting buried in the face last uh, series. He's playing great. And if Ottinger plays well, there's no reason why they can't win. Vegas, I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust him. Well, okay. But you said the other day that when Vegas went up 3 nothing in the seven minutes into the first period, whatever that was, game three, the game was over. Because they're not Calgary. They're not Edmonton. They're not going to let a game like that slip through their fingers. Yep. Wouldn't you say the same thing at the series level? Like nope. you're not going to come back from three nothing against a team that's this well coached and this experienced, right? Hockey is one of the only sports where a three nothing series is not insurmountable, and it's based on I think the goaltenders. If you get a hot goaltender, if you can get Ottinger playing the way he played in Game Four, and he continues to play this way, and he gets some confidence, there it's possible. Like it's, it's, I think it's definitely possible. I think if they win tomorrow, this game, this series goes seven. It really does. When I played with the Hawks and we were down three, nothing to the Vancouver Canucks. It's funny how confidence works. You get that first win. That's all you want to do. Like, let's just not get swept, get this monkey off her bat. We don't want to lose at home. We don't want to get swept at home. That's a bad look. We get that win. And then all of a sudden you're sitting on the plane and you're flying in. This is the same thing the Dallas stars are doing right now. They're flying to Vegas right now. You're playing cards, you're just kind of hanging out, eating a sandwich, and you go, you know what, we win this game is 3-2. Every series that goes to seven always is 3-2 at some point. Doesn't matter how you got there. We could have split the first four. Doesn't matter. We win the next one is 3-2. And then you start to kind of get the good feelings a little bit. And you win that game, and you're flying back home, and it's 3-2. And you get excited because you start thinking, I can make history. This is going to be fun. So you're excited to go to the rink. You got these guys on the ropes on the other side of the coin. The other team's starting to question. It's like, man, are we going to be the fourth team in history to lose after going up three, nothing? This is embarrassing. What are we going to do? And then you lose game six and then you're going back on the road and you're jacked up and you can't wait to get on the ice. So it's only one game. I get that. But the doubt is there for Vegas in that little that little seed we talked about a few weeks ago, that seed is planted in Dallas right now. It's not a big one. It's it's not, not got roots yet, but I tell you what, don't let them win game five in Vegas. Cause if they win game five in Vegas, this game's going seven. This series is going seven because they have the goaltender. They got great defense. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see why it doesn't if they don't win game five. I like this Dallas Stars team. They played really, really good without Jamie Ben. If they could just stay out of their own way and not take stupid penalties, it's a good team, Tim. And so is the Vegas Golden Knights. Don't get me wrong, but I could totally see this, this series going seven. Yeah. I, the other thing that, that everyone's talking about right now is the play of Ryan Suter, who's just really getting exposed in this series. Obviously, we saw the overtime game the other night. Then I think it was the March or so goal where he's just missing his man in front of the net and the guy buries it and the pass goes through his own leg suitor. And he's just, they're talking about benching him, which they won't do. They won't do, but he's getting exposed, John. Yeah. You know, listen, he, he's not the guy that he used to be when he played with Shea Weber and he put up 35 minutes a game and he put up 60 points a year. He's not that guy, but he's still a very important part of this team. 
He plays almost 25 minutes a game. So I don't know. I think you can sit and dissect everything. He's a big part of this team. He's still going to get 23 minutes a game. He's still going to be on your penalty killing unit. He's, is he on the second power play? I think he, he's still very important to this team. So yeah, you can take these couple plays and I'm sure he would like to have him back. It, it happens. You're in the Western conference finals. You're going up against superstars. Vegas is loaded. Every line has someone dangerous. So you're going to be made silly. Sometimes it is what it is. He's on the first team pairing. He plays with mirror Heiskin and he plays against the other team's top line every single night. I don't know. It's like when you're a shot blocker and you get dunked on. It's like, who cares? It happens sometimes. This guy is still a huge part of this team. The, the fact that somebody would say he's going to get benched is laughable. Who are you, you're going to move up Thomas Harley to the first team pairing? You're going to, Essa Lindell is going to move up. These guys are good. It's Ryan Suter. Like, let's just pump the brakes. He's, he's a huge part of this team just because he had a couple bad plays out of how many minutes he's been on the ice over two hours. Just give him. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. Well, that's a question. I don't think he is. Not yet. No. Give him a cup, then maybe we can have a conversation. But all right, let's do predictions for this this series. They play tomorrow. What do you think? Do they win, Dallas, or do they lose? Man, I I, I answer the I watched, question. I watched the game last night, and I said, okay, Dallas looks really good. I think they win the next one. Lose the, lose in Game Six. But then you think about the where they're playing, like they're not going to lose game six at home, right? So like you said, if they, I think Vegas wins. I think Vegas closes it out in five. Okay. All right. I, I think this game, this series, I keep saying this game. I think the series goes seven. I think it's going to be fun. And Florida's just going to sit there and get healed up and be licking their chops and be ready to go for the Stanley Cup finals, which will start a week from now. What a great feeling it must be where you have a week off, but it's because of your accomplishments. And you've yeah. just done something that no one like they must be on cloud nine right now. They're just resting and watching, probably eating whatever they want and just reading all the tweets and newspapers about how good they are and how much they surprised everyone. It's got to be a great feeling. Well, I'm sure they're probably scouting Vegas right now and doing those things. But yeah, to win, like they win the last two series versus Toronto and Carolina. They lost one game. Like <laughs> They're eight and one in their last nine games. Add on the last three games of the Bruins series, they're eleven and one in their last twelve. It's amazing the streak that they're on right now. <laughs> Who do you give the Conn Smythe to right now? If you have to give it to, is it Kachuk or is it Bobrovsky? It's Bobrovsky. Wow, I think Kachuk would get it. I think Kachuk would get it at this point. It, it's more winners. high profile, and it's yeah. like the the sexier pick. So probably for marketability, but I think Bobrovsky's been the one that's driven this team. Do you think Bobrovsky being from Russia? would have an issue on this go going geopolitical i think it does that's yeah possibly they would say it doesn't but yeah possibly if he was from ukraine they would give it to him <laughs> well Kachuk is just like so young and handsome and like talent and personable and like he plays with like such joy too you know what i mean like he's just a very and not um charismatic player and so it, it, you want him you want him holding the trophy i get that you think he's handsome <laughs> yeah. I don't you think, think he's handsome. Who do no. you think is handsome? Oh, like Brock Besser. Yeah. I think Kachuk's handsomer than Brock Besser. Are you drunk right now? <laughs> put a put a poll up on Twitter right now after the show. Who's more handsome? Brock okay, Besser or Matthew Kachuk? There's no chance. Matthew Kachuk. He shouldn't even get 
was his family might vote. I know they're friends of the show. Keith actually listens to the show all the time. All right, let's do some quick hits here, Tim. Yeah, so there's a crazy article coming out of The Athletic about the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you remember back to their kind of their big offseason, it was pretty tumultuous. They didn't think they were going to bring back or we didn't know if we were going to bring back Latang or Malkin. They bring back the tank first. They don't bring back Malkin till later. I don't have the timeline, but at least a month or two later. Right. And then so what the article says is that Malkin was super upset last season, last offseason. He was feeling disrespected. He was texting Latang and Crosby saying things like they don't want me. They don't think I'm good at hockey anymore. Uh, to the point where Crosby had to get involved in middle kind of uh, be the middleman for their negotiations and make sure he was brought back as a penguin. So that's happening. And then, and that's in the tide to their GM Hextall. And then fast forward, they had the dad's trip that the teams have every year and Hextall traded Teddy Bluger without telling him on the dad's trip. So they found out with his dad at the dinner table in front of everybody, they found out on social media. So he has to go. Crosby was apparently outraged. And he went out, dealt with it, dealt with Teddy, like escorted him out, talked to, I'm sure he made some phone calls and he came back to the team and he said to the group waiting at the table, he said, this is not how we do things in Pittsburgh. So there's some weird tension going on between Hextall and the players. And then the, maybe the craziest part of all, the Penguins ownership group, FSG, asked, asked Ron Hextall for his plan moving forward. But he told them, quote, it's in my head, or quote, it's in his head and can't be articulated into words. What is that like, John, you've got a boss, right? Like, what if he said like, Hey, what are you working on this week? Like, what's the plan? Oh, I, I couldn't even tell you. It's in my head. Can't be articulated. Does this, is this as crazy as it sounds? Yeah. Hexel's a joke. <laughs> he really is. It's, it's sad for the penguins higher ups, like the Crosby, Malcolm Latang. It is sad because he has completely ruined these guys is, you know, twilights of their careers. I just can't stop thinking about how Evgeny Malkin texts. Like he even sends text messages in Russian and it's just broken English. <laughs> I just think that's funny, but no, no. Hexall deserves to lose his job. It's fine. Uh, there's nothing new there. He's had no success in Pittsburgh at all. He's tried to surround these guys with decent talent. Eh, he even kicked the tires on JT Miller. After everybody just made a joke about his contract, how high it was, how long term it was, JT Miller's current age of 30, and this is going to take him to his 38th year on the earth, and he was trying to acquire him. So, I don't know. It's bad practice. It really is. You You should, A, not trade a guy on the father's trip. Give him the common courtesy to say, let's just wait till the trip is over. B, if you do, make sure you do it to his face. Don't let him find out on social media while their parents are having dinner. And C, you really don't want to piss off your star players. I, I think that's just GMing 101. You want to keep those guys happy and you keep them in the loop. You let Malka know, hey, I'm going to get Latang done. Then we're going to circle around and we're going to get you done. You don't just leave them in the dark and have them texting the other guys like a pity party, which is another whole ball of wax. Malka needs to toughen up and get, get grow some thick skin. It's like nobody cares that your feelings are hurt, that you don't want to be here. Like, no, I could care less. It's a business. If you're here, you're here. If you're not, kick rocks. Move on. Like, grow a pair. You know what I mean? So The the text was, they not think I good player. They not want me. <laughs> it's so it. funny. It's really, really funny. But anyways, another little tidbit to this Pittsburgh thing. Kyle Dubas has been in Pittsburgh, apparently meeting with Sidney Crosby and the higher-ups there, trying to figure out if a, if a match would work between these two parties 
Wouldn't that be fun? Cal Dubas going into Pittsburgh, milking the last little bit of talent out of these three guys, and then gets to rebuild a franchise like the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that'd be fun. Do you think he's a good fit there, Tim? I think he'd be a good fit just about anywhere. I think he's a great GM. I mean, I I, I understand the criticism. I mean, he swung and missed on some of his plays, but I think he gave the players a lot of opportunities to win. I don't think I'd want to be the GM of Pittsburgh, though. Like you're, you got one or yeah. two more years max of that group, and then you're, and then everything's coming apart. And Cap hell kicks in lot. pretty soon. Yeah, Cap, yeah, those guys are signed for four years, I believe. And they make a lot of money and they're not going to be good for very long. So Latang's just been dealing with injuries for the last, I think, 15 years, it seems like. All right, moving on, a couple more. Kyle Poso, the Sabres are bringing him back. One year, two and a half million dollars. He was last year's captain. My prediction of Tage Thompson being captain is it's going to be pushed back for a year. Unfortunately, they're bringing back. Not unfortunately, he's a good player, but Kyle Poso's coming back for another year. What do you think of this? this do you think they should just let him go? Yeah, this surprised me when I saw that. And and so the, my first question was, does, does he keep the C? And I mean, you have to think he will, you right? To. Yeah, yeah, you have to. 2.5 seems like a pretty hefty amount for a guy who played 75 games, only got 28 points last year. He's their fourth so, liner. A yeah. bit of an overpay for Kyle Post. So I think you're paying for maybe his leadership skills. I don't know. I, I don't like this move for the Sabres, but it, it's it's Tage's team. Just give him the stink and see. Just move on. Let him go. It would be looking at like the lowest paid captains in the last 10 years. That's going to be up there, right? Unless you had some guys on the ELCs, but you wouldn't count those. Yeah, that's got to be the lowest in the league. He deserves it. All right, moving on. <laughs> Frank Saravalli has reported that the Toronto Maple Leafs are interviewing some very exciting GM candidates. And when I mean exciting, I mean probably the worst candidates you could imagine. Jason Botterill single-handedly almost ruined the Sabres. Mark Bergevin doesn't sign anybody except for a third or fourth fourth liner. Brad Trevealing, okay, didn't really do much of the Calgary Flames for the amount of talent, draft picks, money that they spent on that team over the years. And Peter Shirelli, who's never missed out on a bad trade in his career. What is going on if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're even entertaining these four clowns? It's It's just laughable that these guys even get, like, interviews. What do we, how many bad teams, how many bad GMs do you need? in a room before you just have to just try something new. Like if you're Brandon Shanahan and you're interviewing these guys, what are the questions? Hey, Jason Botterill, you um, were terrible in Buffalo. That's the only history you have being a GM. I'm going to hand you the keys to the Toronto Maple Leafs, the most sought after job in all of sports. Maybe. Why does he deserve an interview? Hey, Mark Bergevin, you, you walked into a Montreal Canadiens GM job because you speak French and you did nothing. While you're in Montreal, you locked into a Stanley Cup final because of the bubble. Here, why be the Toronto GM? Hey, Peter Shirelli, you you lucked out and got the Boston job, and they carried you into the playoffs every single year. You went to Edmonton, did absolutely nothing with two of the best players on the planet. Here, have the Toronto Maple Leafs job. It's just it's just dumb. The old boys club is alive and well if one of these guys gets the job. So bad if one of these guys gets hired. Well, that's what that's what it is. It's that boys club thing. And they're treating, I mean, the league treats GMs as like the players in that they think they act as if there's only like a tiny, tiny fraction of people in the world that can do this job, that can reach this level. And that's not true. I'm not saying it's an easy job. Being a GM is a very difficult job. Like the math, the business of it. No, they have a guy who does the math. 
Yeah, but they yeah, I understand that. But like they they're the one whose whose name is on the line, whose job on the line. They have to make the decision. They like it's it's not an easy job. I'm not saying anyone could do it. But think about like how many corporate executives are out there that are doing stuff just as complicated as this. That the, the only thing that's different is, is like a subject matter in hockey and then the risk tech the taking with the contracts and the trades and stuff. And that's stuff that you can learn. There's a lot of smart people that I bet could do this job and do it well, but it's the same players, same people over and over again. The main part of this job is contract negotiation. That's it. That's all you have to be good at. Like everybody knows the talent. You know, you have scouts for that. You have advisors. They'll tell you the young guys who you want to get. You think GMs are going to go and scout and find the good young player who they could pick up in the third or the fourth round? That's not what GMs do. You think they're going to be the coach and, and throw guys on the ice? That's not what GMs do. GMs negotiate contracts. So I don't know why, like, it just boggles my mind. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Mark Bergevin. Really? If you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and you see Mark Bergevin walk in the door for an interview, you're burning the rink down. Like, no, this guy doesn't need a job in the NHL. I thought he was an advisor somewhere. Probably is. This drives me nuts. Like, how am I not suckling on the teats of the nhl i gotta get one of these jobs because these guys just to cash a check like they must make three four hundred thousand dollars a year just being an advisor somewhere it's so dumb i gotta do this stupid show three times a week nothing <laughs> it's just so bad but anyways hopefully they make a good decision just try someone new in toronto it's just well you tried dubas so maybe they're gonna go back to something more traditional i don't know maybe that's the reasoning behind it dubas didn't work no more analytics no more stats. Just go with the guy who knows how to coach good old fashioned hockey, dump it in, grind it out. Just like the Florida Panthers do. I don't know, Tim, you tell me. Uh, I don't have an answer. No, but it's a right. um, long weekend in the States this weekend, Memorial weekend. What are you doing? Tearing it up bonfire with the kids. I'm um, one of the, I'm a sponsor for one of my uh, good friends, kids. So I'm going to be at church sponsoring him for his conversation. Confirmation. Mark McManus, so that'll be exciting. I'm excited for that. And then we're going to hit the beach to do a bonfire and just kind of hang out. And I'm going to work on my grass, but nobody cares. So nice. that's all. What about you, Tim? Uh, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. I, I have a um, cousin visiting Myrtle Beach, which is only about three hours. I'm going to try to see him if I can. So. Myrtle Beach. How's your beach pod looking? <laughs> it's Myrtle Beach is like, have you been there? No. It's like uh, like the Jersey Shore. It's like, it's like, theme rides and and cotton candy and like trashy people it's not that nice saying you're too good for myrtle beach i am actually yeah oh. i am okay you heard it here first tim's um, an elitist all right everybody have a good weekend have some fun stay safe we'll talk to you guys on tuesday cheers thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode 